Hey everyone, welcome to Hosted. This is the podcast brought to you by Kitcaster, the podcast booking agency. And it gives us an opportunity to flip the table a bit. We work with podcast hosts all the time. Uh, we are mostly connecting our clients to great podcast hosts. And now I have the opportunity to interview those great podcast hosts. And today, I have Sybil Ackerman Munson on Hosted Podcast, who is not only a podcast host of Do Your Good, but is also a Kitcaster client. So <laughs> it's like the best of guys. both worlds. <laughs> Sybil, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. It's going to be fun. I'm yeah. The conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to jump right in. I, I first want to just give you a, a huge uh, shout out to not only your podcast, where you interview some amazing folks who can really help anyone decide where to put their donor dollars. Um, but also that's what you do nine to five, yeah, probably yeah. nine to 11 PM. I don't, yeah, I pretty much all the time. I'm a little bit of a workaholic. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I can't imagine that that work ever ends. And, um, you have effectively helped donors place around $45 million into organizations that are impactful to them. Yep. Yep. And I also get pitched by nonprofits every single day and process anywhere from 150 to 200 or more proposals a year wow. um, for giving. So that's why I started podcasting and started my new arm of my business, Do Your Good, because I was sitting in so many meetings with donors and so I get pitched by so many amazing nonprofits. I was like, I have a responsibility um, to go out in the world and like teach people what I've been learning to help people hone their pitches and also to help donors give with passion and purpose. Cause I got to tell you, Brandy, if it's not easy to give money away effectively, you can actually waste money. You can actually cause a lot of stress and strife in the way that you give money um, to the nonprofits. You can waste their time. I've seen so many mistakes made and I don't want that to happen anymore. You know, I mean, of course there'll be mistakes, but I want to yeah. try to help like give it from my lessons and, and, and the mistakes I've seen get made in the ground. Like how can we not have that happen? How can um, both donors show up for nonprofits the, in the best way they can? And then how can nonprofits make sure that they're spending their time effectively so that they can raise money, but then get the job done that they want to do, you know, the good work on the ground, which is what we all really want them to be able to do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think especially now, I, I feel like there's this, this worldwide current that people want to do something and they're just yeah. a little bit paralyzed because they're not totally. really sure what to do. Um, mm -hmm. And you don't just assist people who are bajillionaires. You help right. everyone. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I sort of like, I, you know, I think I've, we've talked about this before, but not on the podcast. So I'll talk about it a little bit. Yeah, is, you know, my too. personal journey is I worked in the nonprofit world. So I worked for, you know, smaller local nonprofits that were actually connected with some national organizations too. It was like the best of both worlds that way. Um, but then I sort of backed into the career I have now, which is one of the donors who was funding my work asked me to run his foundation. 
And I said, heck yeah, I'd love that. And so I went over there. I didn't know to ask the right questions or anything. I'm like, well, you know, who else is on your board? And do you get along with them? And I didn't ask that. But luckily, I lucked out, went into that world of giving money with a family that was really wonderful and is still, I still work with them. But I now have my own business and I work for many families like that. But, um, but they really focused in on giving grants to smaller nonprofits, local nonprofits. And so that's really how I started out my career in philanthropy, which is working with smaller nonprofits. How do you give smaller donations that have impact? And how do you give smaller donations to have scaled up impact, right? So that's super important as well. It's, it's, you can really do really interesting, cool strategies as a donor beyond only your dollar. You can like help the nonprofit raise more money. Uh, you can support them to have a platform in what they're working on at the national, international level, even if they're working at the local level. All these fun things you can do that really can help them as a donor. Um, and so that's how I learned learned my, my trade and my craft really is through working with smaller um, foundations. Since then, I have worked as a consultant for larger foundations also. And I've found that a lot of the things that we think about when we're giving grants and donations to smaller organizations, a lot of those things apply even when you're giving larger grants and donations as well. And I just, I'm really glad that, and the reason they're similar is, especially now people are thinking a lot about community and supporting people and making sure you're not getting too disconnected and that you're not talking down to people and that you're sensitive to that power dynamic that can happen when you have money um, and so that you're making sure you're asking the right questions. So I have a whole bunch of lessons and courses that I've created around this, um, but I want to stop there first because I'm sure, Brandy, you have questions for me. And, and like it sounded like from looking at your podcast that you really want to talk about fun stuff. So <laughs> there too, because I like having fun. It's all about having fun, right? As well as working. <laughs> it is. It is about having fun. But this is, I think that this particular conversation seems very topical for just what's, you know, where we're at. Um, so I've, I've really enjoyed just hearing the uh, kind of your background, why you got started, and what you're doing for donors to help them navigate the complex system of donating and, and yeah. participating and, and giving. So that's really great. And, and we'll make sure to include all that information in the show notes where people can can go to, to find more information and, and connect with you, Sybil. Cool. Yay. Yeah. You know, it's, you have some really interesting guests on your show and, um, it just, what a great place so for people listening here and who are like genuinely interested in what you're doing, go to the podcast, do your good. It Thanks, is, Brandy. I'm having so much fun with it. Do you love it? I mean, it, I love it so much. A great <laughs> host. And of course, you know, all the right questions to ask. It's, it's so cool to hear and like things that I've never even thought of before. And I get to just hear different perspectives and from different organizations. Yay. So Yay. tell me, how do you find the folks that you bring on to your podcast? Oh, well, I, you know, the first thing I do is, well, I have two parts of my podcast. One are the interviews that I do with people. And I'll talk about some of the interviews and why I choose those interviewees. And the second thing I do is I do something called Sybil Speaks which is really me talking about my experiences. And usually that comes from a recent trustee meeting I was just at or some big problem I'm trying to work through. 
And I think it's really important that more than more people think about that as, as give, with their giving strategies. And so, of course, I have so many clients and so many folks I work with that it's totally anonymous. No one knows where it's coming from, yeah. <laughs> but I'll do things like, okay, it's okay for you to think about major problems, but make sure that you're not thinking that it has to be a solution in one year, for example. And where does that come from? Maybe it's because I was just at a meeting where there were some impatient folks going, why don't the nonprofits just get it done tomorrow? And I'm like, you can't, you can't fit, fix these big issues or support communities in a year. You know, it takes a long time. So you got to be committed. So these are the kind of things where like, I'm a very positive person and the podcast has been a wonderful outlet to sort of work through those problems and support people who I think it's more than just the folks I work with that are asking these questions and trying to figure things out. So that's Sybil Speaks. And then for the interviews, oh my gosh, I'm having so much fun with this. I'm going to have my 80th podcast, which means I've been doing it every Monday for a year and a half and I am not stopping. Um, and so the interviews, the interviews are so fun because, um, I, I usually, what I do is I'm thinking through these questions, right. And some of them are on civil speaks. And I'm always thinking about like big gnarly questions of how to give money away effectively. And there's a lot of big issues we have to tackle on the, in these questions. And then what I do is I say, okay, who are some people that I know and respect in the world who can help us in unraveling these, these complex, hard questions and so that donors can then um, go and talk to those people too? And also, how can they safe space for them to listen to these folks? Because sometimes as a donor, you don't necessarily want to reach out if you're not ready to give, because you also want to be careful about people's time. So what I hope is through my interviews, you can listen to a whole host of people and then decide if you want to lean in and actually reach out to them um, more. So examples of this are, I just did an interview with Eric from Native Americans in Philanthropy. Yes. That was so much fun. And there's a lot of conversation among donors about how do we support tribes and First Nations and Indigenous communities, both in the United States and around the world. And how do we do that without messing up? And yeah. we've messed up a lot in the past. Yes. Yeah. And so that's why I reached out to Eric and I said, Eric, can we please talk about this? Same goes with Jim Enote, who also has great advice for us in this question. So that's that's one of the one of the lines of questions that I had that I thought experts could help us with. I also interview um, program officers at foundations because I wanna to talk to them about how, how, what their role is. So a program officer, for officer is helping wealthy individuals figure out their strategies. And a lot of times people who are in the nonprofit world and also donors don't realize these people even exist. And, and it, they're important as intermediaries and they can really help move things along. Um, they can also be in hindrance without meaning to as well, because they become sort of have some of those limitations. But I really believe in the importance of these intermediaries. I actually have been one. That's what I do a lot too. And I come from the nonprofit world. So I'm really help, able to help people with wealth understand what it means to actually support a nonprofit on their level, right? So um, I interview a lot, a lot of different folks from that world. I also interview people who are official regranting organizations that have formed because, and it's a little bit like Native Americans and philanthropy, but I also interviewed someone named Heidi um, with the Just Transition Fund, for example. 
And what she does is she supports communities in Appalachia and across the United States who um, are transitioning from a coal dependent community, a fossil fuel dependent community. The jobs are dependent on like coal and other things. She's supporting those communities in rural uh, United States to transition as coal and other fossil fuel dependent communities, we get less dependent on those um, types of energies. So how do you then support communities so that they don't then go off the deep end? Like how can we support them so that they can have jobs, living wage jobs, even though the jobs are going away in certain sectors? So she's really focused on that and she's from that community and she knows the community. And so I feel, and then she does regrants. So a donor can give funds if they care about this issue to her institution. And then she has a whole bunch of grant making folks on the ground who know the issues and who can then think through. So that's another line of thinking that I, I like to interview folks on. I also interview trustees, donors themselves, people who are folks who have wealth, who want to give and, I, and it's not only trustees, it's individual donors who have thought through how can we and how can I, as a person of wealth, give back well and, and we're responsibly. And so I, I find people who I really respect and think have done an amazing job and talk to them about that. Gosh, the, this, it goes on and on, but that's how I, how I choose people and find people. And I'm in the philanthropic world, and so I'll, I'll hear someone speak in a donor meeting or other things. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, I have got to interview you for my podcast. Not everybody wants to be as public on a podcast, but I find that most people I ask want to share their stories because it's, it's the kind of thing that like, really it was just, we, people have so many stories and, and there's not a whole lot of platforms like what I've created uh, for that donor conversation. I also want to like demystify this whole area of giving money away. I feel like there's, there is a lot of um, sort of the, this secret. It's not purposefully secret, but it's just sort of this, the nonprofits really don't know what's going on and, and people of wealth actually don't always talk to each other either. It's sort of, there's a little bit of a taboo in the United States and perhaps around the world around the conversation about wealth and what you do to support communities and how you go about it. I sort of want to break down those barriers, and that's why I'm trying to interview folks so that we can have real conversations about what are some struggles we're having? How can we make sure we overcome those? So anyway, I could keep talking about it forever, but uh, the last thing I want to say is, as you can tell, I'm a talker. So when I started, when I decided I wanted to create this new arm of my business called Do Your Good to Help People Give Away Money Effectively, I did all these trainings myself, Right. And one of the things they said is you have to have something new every week. I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? I still have a full-time job, you know? And, um, and I said, well, I'm a talker. So why don't I do a podcast? Podcasting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah, this is definitely your medium and you're so yeah. good at it. You're really Thank good you, at Randy. it. Thank you, Randy. It means a lot to me. things down, you know? I think there is like a lot of demystifying that needs to take place. And the way that you're looking at the content that you're putting out solo and then the guests that you bring on and, and touching kind of every aspect, aspects that people don't even know exist in mm. the philanthropy world, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I just think that you've, you've put a lot of thought and care into, into the podcast and, and you've gotten a lot out of it, I think both personally and professionally, correct? I sure have. Oh my gosh. And I'm meeting... I'm meeting other podcasters, thanks to you all, 
at Kitcaster because you're my agents. Yeah. And um, and I didn't expect this, but like one of the other things in my training when I started my new business, this new arm of my business, it said they they all said to me, Sybil, you should go out and get interviewed on other podcasts and you know start doing that. And I said, great. And you have helped me with that. Kitcaster signed me up for lots of interviews. And so I knew that part. What I didn't realize when I started this journey of getting interviewed is how delightful it would be to meet all of these peop- new people. I have, feel like I have a whole new community of friends in the podcasting world. It's a lot of us who are really, we care passionately about, um, and the people who are interviewing me are all about supporting nonprofits or supporting people with wealth to give money away effectively. So it's a whole bunch of folks like-minded, like me, who are thinking about these same issues. And it's this amazing community I never would have met before. And so I feel like I'm making new friends, you know, every time I do an interview and then I have them on my show. So I do have a few of my podcaster friends are now on my show and I'm on their show and we, we like, it's just a great thing. So I, I didn't, I, like I said before, I didn't expect that, but it's really cool. Maybe it's because we're sort of at the beginning of the podcasting world and you know, it's, it's grassrootsy and it's, it's just, it's totally a place I love to be. Well, and I think just given your background and the world that you're in, uh, there's just some natural collaboration and, and connection, I think, that happens in the philanthropic world um, that makes you all like just open to each other and um, just a little bit more giving in that way uh, by nature. I yeah, I haven't yet. I mean, I guess stereotypically you'd think, oh, we're all competitors or business people, blah, blah, blah. But I have not seen that in my sector. Like people are just like, how can I help you? Oh my gosh, I love what you're doing. You know, let's share our stuff. You know, it's just, it's all a play. It's a conversation of abundance and support. So pretty cool. Yeah. And, and it's really cool to have those unexpected outcomes from podcasting yeah. because it is a newer medium. And there are so many people that feel very comfortable conversating. Now it's just, a, it's, it, it, it feels like you're just meeting a new friend for the first time and you're yeah, totally. having a cup of coffee and conversating about things that you're passionate about and how cool for people who stumble upon a show that you were on and get to hear like, oh, this is why Sybil does what she does. And these are the experiences she's had. Like that's so important to getting people to understand how you operate on a human level. Totally. It took me a while, honestly, to get used to my own voice. <laughs> like I sound like that, you know? Yeah. And in the beginning, I remember stressing quite a bit about my Sybil speaks. Cause I'd be like, oh, did I say this right? Or did it? And I'd be so nervous about it. And um, I had to have a conversation with myself to really decide I wanted to commit because I'm like, nope, I'm deciding I am going to be an open book. There's really nothing to hide. Um, but it is a decision. I think if, if you're in the podcasting world, you've got to decide that like, yeah, pretty much you're going to be an open book. You're going to say stuff about your life. People are going to know who you are and it has to be okay with you to do that. Yeah. Well, that's part of getting people to connect with you and listen to you. You totally. gotta give a little, you have to show some vulnerability. I mean, we, as humans, we connect through stories and shared experiences. So the more that you share, the more people are going to connect with something that you say. 
Yeah. It's and really it, important. It's sort of like also connected too to like, if I'm trying to demystify a little bit at least the donor side and like get this whole weird business that I'm in of giving money to nonprofits and what does it mean and how do people make decisions? I sort of have to own it and also not be secretive with my own life, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Are you, so, you know, when you kind of say demystifying, do you find that in the, in this world, people are cagey about organizations that they're donating to amounts? Like what, at what, where do things kind of become uncomfortable or secretive? Well, I would say everything, every level. Yeah. So, um, and again, it's totally understandable why, um, this is a sensitive place. Okay. So first we're talking about somebody's wealth and, and understandably that's something that's very personal. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I say demystify, I am not saying that people should be, you know, telling every, the world, like, here's my net worth and that kind of thing. No, I am not saying that at all. But, but what, what can happen is if, um, if there, there's a, there's this culture of sort of secrecy there, and then there's, um, and, and again, it comes from really understandable places, like some folks I know who have wealth really don't want their friends or other folks to know because pe they get treated differently and they really want to be treated as a regular person. They want to not uh, be treated in a different way. So there's some, it comes from a good place very often, the secrecy. Um, the challenge, and this is where I, where I want to overcome, what I want to overcome is if you're, if you're that secret as a donor, but then you are trying to figure out how to give well, but you're doing it in a way where you're just sort of on high giving grants or giving donations to nonprofits. And they don't know why, they don't know what, how to access you. They, they want to talk to you about this, but they don't know what angle you'll be interested in listening to it with. And, and they don't even know how to email you. They don't know how to thank you. Um, it can get really weird really fast. And also um, in the end, maybe you'll be giving to one group and then you'll decide, nah, I don't want to anymore. You'll do someone else. But that group might have been, they might be pretty dependent on your, your grant. You never know. Um, and so there's a whole bunch of things there that to unpack. The, the sort of natural inclination to hold things close to your chest on this for very valid reasons can end up coming to backfire to you. So the strategies I teach I'm still, I'm coming from a place where I completely honor and respect the need to be um, confidential about certain things in your life. But what I'm trying to teach is how can you still be confidential, still hold those values close to you um, in terms of making sure that you, know, you don't have to tell people your net worth, that kind of thing, but approach your giving in a way that can truly give back to the community um, that that part is demystified. The community itself isn't left wondering, isn't left, and you don't end up leaving money on the table. So I can talk to you about a few of those strategies that I offer in my classes and in my podcast, if you like, or we can just talk about anything you want, Brandy. The, the table's turn to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would love, I think if you gave the listeners just a, a few strategies, also knowing that they can tap into. Yeah, yeah all of the resources that are at their fingertips for free and, and beyond that. Um, but giving them, giving the listeners just a taste of, of what some of those strategies are. Sure. Yeah. And, um, and just, and with, with do your good, I've got a bunch of free resources. Of course, my podcast is free every week and I talk about a lot of this stuff. And then I created these little mini courses that are not that expensive, 
Um, but they, uh, they're very short. They're supposed to be like little short special tidbits that you can sign up for to listen more around those issues. But um, the first thing I wanted to talk about is if you are somebody who has a little bit of wealth that you want to give back to, to the community with, um, there's a first step. And you may have already done this first step, but if you haven't, I really recommend it. And I can't tell you how many people, when I bring this up, they say to me, oh my gosh, I didn't actually do this before I started giving money away. And that is take a step back and say, okay, I want to make a difference in the world, but it's okay first for you to really think deeply about what it is you care about. So a lot of times people will say, I have some extra wealth I want to give away. What are the big heady issues of the day? that I should be giving to? That is the wrong question to ask. So no matter what you end up caring about, there's a do-good nonprofit out there doing something related to what you care about. So don't worry about that. You're gonna be able to support good community work no matter what you care about. So the first thing I teach is, okay, there's four things that I want you to journal about. The first thing is write down your daily routine and your weekly routine. What do you do every day? Do you bring your kids to school? Are you part of the PTA? Uh, you name it, anything you do, but every day, what do you do every day? The second thing is write down your hobbies, okay? They might be something you do every day, but it might not be. So I wanna be sure you list all your hobbies. The third thing that I wanna be sure you do is think about like, what's your special place? Like when you are stressed out and you have to center yourself, what's the place you think about? Or maybe it's not a place. Maybe it's just a specific thing that makes you just happy, centered, happy. For me, I camp as many times as I can <laughs> at a horse camp on the beach in the Halem, but in Oregon, but you name it, you name it where you want to be. And then the fourth thing is also really important. What's the thing that keeps you up at night? What's the stress? What, what is stressful to you? Okay, so write all that down. So when you write that down, you're gonna have a ton of stuff. You're gonna be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's like a hundred things and all these different pieces. However, what that'll help you do is it'll help you find a through line. Mm -hmm. So if you look at something that you're really challenged about and you get stressed about, let's say you're most stressed about your kid's education. Like, oh my gosh, I don't, you know, my kids are in public school right now. One of my kids is getting bullied. And then you look and you see every single day is the, your daily stuff is you're going to school every day, bringing your kids to school. Or maybe you're dropping off of the school bus, whatever you're doing, but maybe school is part of your daily life. So those are two key things out of the four. You're worried about it and that, that might be, there might be some really cool nonprofits working on anti-bullying work um, or you name it around that. The other beauty of doing something like this is then what happens is when you pick something you're going to pick something where it's very likely that your friends, coworkers, family members, colleagues, are some of them are going to be interested in the same things, which means you'll have a natural group of people that you'll be able to talk to about this issue. And that means then that you can rely on folks for like oh, advice and thoughts. A lot of times, I can't tell you how many times this happens so often with me when I talk with the funder, because I help funders focus. So I can work through, I work through my clients, I work through with them some of these issues and how to focus. A lot of times they'll be like, oh, I don't have any other friends that are working on this issue, or I don't know anybody who's doing this. I feel really sort of lost. And that's why I started thinking about this, these four key steps, because I'm like, if you feel lost and you don't feel like you're part of a community with this work, then I would suggest since you could go back to your journaling, 
there's probably five or six other things that you might actually have some connection with other people on. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing is, is really to think through that because then that, that's step one in demystifying also to the nonprofits. And it allows you to talk with people you trust. So you're no longer like secretly going, oh, well, I'm going to give this donation or this donation and I'm going to do it alone and I don't want anyone to know I have any money and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Instead, you sort of have this nice conversation. So that's the first thing, but I can stop there and then I'll talk about a few other pieces. No, I, that, that's so, it, that's, it seems like such a, of course, <laughs> of <laughs> does, course that's where you yeah. would start, but yeah. it doesn't, you know, it, I mean, I think even just, the, and, and being able to connect that, that through line of, yes, it does feel like you have 500 different things on your list, but if you start looking at some commonalities that yeah. you see, mm-hmm. it'll it'll become hyper clear very quickly. Yeah. And Brandy, the other thing is one thing you were saying initially is they're like, oh, the world's issues feel so big. But what this will do is it, it keeps you from making them feel big. Like I'm the most optimistic person in the world because even though I'm working on big issues like environmental issues or ending slavery around the world, these are big issues. But the thing is, I feel empowered because I'm talking to these nonprofits that are doing great work on them. We're finding solutions, local solutions to big issues. And so if you do this exercise, what will happen is I think you're going to start seeing the solutions come up because you'll see nonprofits doing it. If you start with the big, heady issue and you don't do this work, you're going to like get disillusioned fast. Mm -hmm. Um, The other cool thing about doing it this way is a lot of people ask me, well, how do we monitor success over time? How do we make sure that our grants are actually making the impact we hope they are? If you've done the good work up front to make sure you're doing something that is really you're really connected to and that you have a community that's connected to it, then you will know pretty quickly if something's working or not working. And you'll know ahead of time enough so that you can make course corrections in your donations early enough so that then you can still you can still help the field. I mean, any issue you care about, any group you care about, they're gonna, there's gonna be stumbling blocks along the way. And if you're close enough to it, you can really help organizations overcome those stumbling blocks and be open to that rather than just be like, oh, that didn't work and then stop giving. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I would love to, you have a couple more that you want to dive oh into. Oh my gosh, yes? Too many, I have so many different, different pieces of it, but tell me, Randy, what do you think from talking to me about that? What do you think would be most interesting for you to talk yeah. about? <laughs> well, I think that, I think what would be most interesting and especially for our listeners, because everyone enters a world of podcasting, whether you're a guest on a podcast, hosting a show, but people come into it for a variety of reasons. Right. And I think one of the coolest things is when you start to hear feedback from people. So mm-hmm. I would, and I would imagine since you are, are, I think in every conversation, I mean, by nature, podcasts kind of pull at the heartstrings a bit, but yours especially, um, because you're talking about pretty big issues and, and organizations that are trying to help tackle that and just... Um, I, have you heard from your listeners, people that you bring on the podcast that are having these moments? They're like, oh my gosh, Sybil, I have never thought of that. It's like on the spot, those aha moments where it's like, of course, that makes so much sense. Oh my gosh. Well, it, it, this is the thing is I'm, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that happens, right? And um, 
podcasting is funny because you don't always know. So here, I'll give you a couple of stories of where it was really sort of fun. I was, um, one of them was, I was, I'm working, I was working for one, found this foundation and I helped them with their grants and I was at their trustee meeting listening in and helping out. And one of the trustees was like, oh my gosh, everybody, all you, there was, there's a whole bunch of trustees on there. And he was saying, I've been listening to Sybil's podcast because I don't usually, I don't push my pot. I'm like careful. I don't know. I feel weird about like telling my clients, like listen to my podcast, you know? So, but he was, he just voluntarily, he's like, I've been listening to Sybil's podcast and you should notice, like notice that a lot of our grantees are now using, I have this whole model of like, are you a sustainer, campaigner or launcher funder, which we haven't talked about yet, but we can later. And he was like, they're using that. And, and I love the Sybil, the, the person from the White House that was like working at Gates Foundation. I was learning so much from that interview. Thank you so much. And I'm like, oh, that felt so good. And then another one I did, um, this was one where my husband interviewed me because I felt really strongly about talking about one of the hardest experiences in my career with, with giving donations where um, one of the grants that one of the folks I work with gave, it was ended up getting investigated by um, the FBI and it was very stressful. And how did I navigate that? And, um, and it was very political, small p political, but it ended up becoming, you know, the Oregonian and Willamette Week and everyone was lawyering up and it was intense. And um, so I did a whole podcast episode about that because it's something that like, I think a lot of donors are like, oh my gosh, we'd never want to go there. But at the same time, how did we navigate that? And after I published that one, I had a few people email me and say, Sybil, thank you for talking about that because we've been through something similar and it made me feel really appreciative. It's what it was cathartic to understand that. Um, and then a third one that was just so surprising. There was a woman who you all got me hooked up with to interview on her show. And um, I was all excited to be on her show and I listened to her podcast ahead of time and stuff. And I get on and she's like, oh my gosh, Sybil, you're my big, I'm your biggest fan. I listen to all your podcasts. You are so amazing. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I'm blushing. So, yeah, I know. I was like, whoa. So she's awesome. And it was really fun. And now I've interviewed her for my podcast and stuff. But um, that was something I hadn't really expected. Like I'm just sort of trying to like say the things I'm thinking and, and interview and explore and hope, hope that will help people. But it's really fun to like get that kind of feedback. It's not scientific yet. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a bazillion download podcast yet. That's my dream is I would love yeah. to get there. Um, and so I'm going to keep working at it because that's really where I want to go. Um, but, but, but so far I'm getting some positive feedback. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's so wonderful. And I think this kind of leads me into my next question is what, you know, you, you mentioned that part of your vision is to get these, this high number of downloads and listeners, but do you have some other goals for the, for the podcast? Or well, the big next picture. Year? Well, for the next year, Brandy. Or five. Yeah. Or big picture wherever you want to take this. So I, I sort of laugh. So I'm, I'm in my fifties now and I tell my family, like my, you know, I always, I visualize my future a little bit. I like go, okay, where do I want to be in a certain time? So what I envision with the podcasting specifically is this might sound funny, but what I would love is like, I want to become like the old lady, old grandma, who is like teaching and supporting the next generation of givers and even the people who might be my age 
to give back. So I want to be like the friendly old grandma that helps everybody do good in the world. And I, I want the podcast to be my main medium to do that. And the other stuff is important because I do have to like make a living and I can't, you know, I have to be very careful with my time and yeah. focused. And so between, you said the next year, between now and the, this upcoming year or two, I'm serious businesswoman. Like I'm saying, okay, I have this vision. I have these ideals. They're all coming from like, hopefully altruistic places, but I have to be hard nosed about it right now. I've got to make sure that where I spend my time is, is a place where over time I can actually make a living off of it. And, um, right now I'm, you know, this is a labor of love, (laughs) but, but I'm hoping in a year or two, I can actually be able to a little bit sustain this work, um, by doing affiliate sponsorships, all that kind of stuff. So I am looking into that, but I don't have any of that now. And, and I still do it because I love it. And my main reason I'm doing it is so that I can help and support people and be the grandma over time. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I like that big, that big end goal of just being like the pod grandma. Yeah, exactly. Of the, of the do, good. the do good, the do the your do good, good pod, pod grandma. grandma. I love that, Brandy. That's I like that. The pod grandma. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder too, Sybil, I'm just like, when you were saying that, I'm like, that would be so beautiful to, especially for, um, for younger generations that maybe haven't accumulated a ton of wealth or, you know, feel like they have the space to give, um, the means to give, but almost it would be so cool. And, and maybe this is like, look, you know, pod grandma 2.0, but bringing some people on and actually like working them through like, yeah. All right. So what are you interested in? Let's see what Uh your capacity is. And like really kind of breaking it down. That would be That'd be totally, totally. I I was actually, I love that you bring that up. I was just talking to this friend who's going about to retire. Now this is different from the younger generation, but we, I would, I would love to talk to the younger generation too. But, and she was like, Oh, you do that. Like, let's talk about it. I'm like, let me record you. So we're going to actually do that as in that piece. Oh, that's um, so fun. So that's coming yeah. up on do, do your good. It will. I haven't recorded okay. that one yet. That was like an idea last night over. Yeah. Drinks, so. Oh my gosh. Look at <laughs> I this. Love that it's we're all coming same. together. That's what I love about the podcasting. It's like, we can be creative and have fun. No, I totally agree with you. The other point I want to make about that is, um, you know, I, like I said, I'm older and philanthropy is like the traditional philanthropy is like old fashioned. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks don't really even know how to use a lot of, there's a lot of folks don't even have websites. Right. Yeah. So that's another thing I'm teaching myself all of these things like social media, everything. My kids are laughing at me, but <laughs> you know, and so that's like, I want to be the hip old grandma. Like I want to actually have philanthropy be something that the next generation does and it's fun. And, but then have it be something where I can help. And I actually understand, I'm, I don't want to be the Sears Roebuck catalog. I want to be the hip old grandma that, you know, they're going to laugh at me. I'll never be as hip as the younger generation, but <laughs> still be able to like bumble along and learn how to do this stuff. Um, and, yeah. you know, I'm actually, I've also learned what I don't know. And so I'm contracting people who do know, you know, social media and other things so that I can have that support and help. And, um, but I don't want philanthropy to just go the way of the Sears Roebuck catalog. I want to be part of use all the learnings that I've had from all the positives that I've had from traditional philanthropy, but how do we reshape it 
for this new way of talking and giving in the world that's very much based in social media and um, online and internet stuff that's just a different way to approach giving, really. So that's, that's another place of it, which is where I want to be part of that. I don't want to be just like, oh, I don't even know how to use Zoom and blah, blah, blah. Do so you take a check? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's a whole thing. That's a whole thing. A lot of folks I work with still do checks, even during COVID. So how do we switch to ACH <laughs> or other things? Yeah. Oh, no. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's exactly. a whole thing. Yes. Totally. Yes. So many so, things to unpack, Brandy. <laughs> there really is. There really is, and I and I and I think that that was just a really uh, an amazing piece of advice that you gave to the listeners is to learn new skill sets, but know your mm-hmm. limitations. Yeah. And, well, that's what. So that's the thing, Brandy. I want to tell you something yeah. really fast. Is that when I first? So I started Do Your Good. I think two years ago, um, maybe a little longer ago, when I started like my trainings. In the beginning, it's sort of been a slow ramp up because in the beginning, I made myself do everything, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to go, I didn't like really advertise it. And I knew that there'd be screw ups, but like I did everything. I made myself create my own website. I learned how to do social media. I did everything on my own only for a little while to figure out what is it that and I, I like taught myself the Adobe Premiere elements so that I could do the little videos and I mean everything <laughs> I just did all those pieces and then I like slowly figured out okay which are the things that I'm want to keep doing and which are the things that I need to contract out yeah. and um, and I think that was really helpful though to make myself do it all first because even though I was bl- blundering around. Um, I really like that because now I also know like when people started pitching me like, oh, we can do this or that or this or that. I also know like who's real and who's not (laughs) as well Yes, in the space. I mean, of course, I made mistakes in the beginning with some of the contracts I did, but still, yeah. Well, yeah, you have to understand the process. I mean, you may not have to do it yourself, Mm -hmm. but in the beginning to understand what it takes, that way you can bring in the right partner to help you. Exactly. Exactly. Because you get, once people start realizing you're doing this, I get like spammed a lot from a lot of people saying, hey, you want me to do this, 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 this. Um, And some of them I've actually jumped on and it's been a great experience because I tried to do most of the stuff originally. And then I'm like, oh, you can do X. Great. I don't have to do that. Yeah, no, that is, that's wonderful. Uh, Sybil, this has been such a great conversation that, that we're having. I would love if you, you know, just for, we could talk for hours and I yeah. think we're probably going to ha- need to do another episode and, and bring you back on and we can kind of address some other things that we didn't get to touch today. But I'm just wondering if you could perhaps leave the listeners with, you've already given, just sprinkled through some good tips but to give, if you, if there were like one or two takeaways from the, the podcasting journey that could perhaps help somebody just eliminate some pain <laughs> <laughs> while they're going through the process that you experienced, what might those be? Oh, goodness. So let's talk about a process one and then let's talk about just podcasting generally. Yeah. The process administrative side that I actually didn't bring up earlier that I wish I had known when I started was do your research on the podcasting host, like, you know, the Libsons of the world, because you want to find one that's 
really good for what you want to do. And it can track all of the kinds of listeners that you're trying to track. Some of them, some, some of these sites, they hosting set platforms, they just don't give you enough information. And so then you have to like play around and shift and do things mid course. And that's not so fun. So really do your research there. So that's, that's one little piece we hadn't talked about before, but big picture, I just want to encourage folks to podcast because it's not expensive. Like all you need is a, my, a little microphone, not even if you really don't worry about sound quality too much and then plug it into your computer and you can really have a voice on something that you care about. And it's so wonderful and it's so democratic and it's so, uh, so inspiring to be able to talk about what you care about and, and help folks out. You do need to have like, people won't just find you. You do need to have a plan on social media and other places to promote it. And that's one thing I'm learning is, you know, I need to, I'm, I'm trying to think through ways to promote my voice and my podcast out there further, but, um, but it's really fun. And it's, it's, it, the community is amazing too. Yeah, it is. It's a very fun collaborative community. It yeah. is, it's, it's really good to be a part of everyone just mm-hmm. really is eager to help each other out. So yeah. Thank you, Sybil. And I have two final questions for oh you my gosh. That, are, yeah. that are just fun. Love it's questions. Just, it's just fun. And and because I feel like you gave me a little look into, you know, what what fills you up and being out in nature. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're two just spring-focused questions. One would be your favorite bird. Oh my gosh. It's bird. the piping plover. No question. Piping okay. plover. Is that, <laughs> and there's is that, a whole story about that. <laughs> is that an Oregon? No, they're in oh. the East coast, uh, in Massachusetts. So, well, they're on the whole East coast, but, um, the piping plover is a bird that I, when I was 19, I got an internship with the student conservation association and it was an internship with the national park service where I watched this endangered bird called the piping plover. And that's what made me be be interested in environmental issues and natural resource issues. And, um, and this piping plover was endangered and it was nesting on a beach in Massachusetts and I was supposed to watch it. And I did. And I was there right when there was this huge negotiation over how to protect the bird and allow people to use the beach. And I was so fascinated with trying to fi- with how people tried to figure through solutions to both protect the bird and support the community. And it was controversial and hard. I'm like, right. oh my gosh, this is what I want to be a part of. So that got me onto um, a focus on environmental studies and all the different work there. And then that's when I majored in environmental studies and I worked at Audubon Portland actually. Oh, wow. So um, as their conservation director for a while. So that's, that, that's, that was a great question for me. I'm not sure if you even knew that. <laughs> I didn't know that. And I'm so glad that I asked it. I even and... etched the piping clover. I drew it for my, on, on my ring when I got married. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and how are they thriving? Um, where, well, they're still, the we're status. The status is there. We're still working on it. Yeah. 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 The community is still working on it. I'm not anymore, but yeah. That's incredible. Piping plover. I've never even heard of that, that bird species. <laughs> well, I, now I'm going to have to look it up after our conversation. Yeah. They're very cute little round shorebirds. <laughs> that's incredible. All right. So like leading right into this and I can't wait to hear the story around the next question, but your, <laughs> your favorite flower. 
my favorite flower? Well, I'd have to or say plants, maybe. Yeah, no, I mean, um, gosh, that's that's a tough one. I have, I there's so many, but um, I think the one that means the most is the rose. Rose is my middle name, um, and it was my mom's. It is my mom's maiden name, and my grandma, who I loved and adored, and you know, modeled a lot of who I am after. Her name was Rosalie Rose, and Portland, Oregon, where I live, is the city of roses. So I don't know what it is about roses, but they've followed me around and it's my middle name, like I said. So that's that's why the rose is probably my favorite. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you have very good reason to have the rose be your favorite. And do yeah. you have roses? I, you know what? I'm not a good gardener. <laughs> I'm too busy. I'm too much of a workaholic and roses take a lot of time. They do. I like walking around the rose gardens and stuff in Oregon. They have some beautiful ones here. <laughs> Yeah. And they are, I mean, they are, they need to be groomed and lots of care, but they're so beautiful. I do not have a green thumb. So that, that's one of the things, like, I feel like you're like superhuman, like you, you, you've kind of done everything, but. Oh, that's nice of you to say, but not with plants. No green thumb. I have, no, I have an older, my older stepdaughter. So I have two stepdaughters, younger and older. My older stepdaughter, she's amazing with plants. So I do have have a couple of plants that I'm keeping alive because of her <laughs> advice, but. <laughs> well, it sounds like a good partnership. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Sipo, thank you so much for being a guest on Hosted. I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. I'm so honored that you asked me to be on and thanks for the time. Yeah, absolutely. And for everyone listening, please go to check out Do Your Good. Give Sybil a listen. Give Sybil a rating and review. Please download do. the podcast. Download do, it. That's actually what really matters. Yay. Do no, I'm all just joking. the things. Yes, download. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 such a great show, and it doesn't Thank matter you, where Brandy. you're at in your life. It it is it is valuable information to to have and carry with you. So um, check out. Do your good, and uh, we'll make sure and have all the information for Sybil in our show notes. Thank you all for tuning in, and look forward to having you tune into the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hosted, a podcast brought to you by Kitcaster, a podcast booking agency. If you want to find out more about Kitcaster, about Hosted, find us on all of the relevant social channels and tune in to more episodes of Hosted. Take care.